0: Today's podcast is brought to you by The Power of A.
1: The Power of A was created by the American Society of Association Executives to highlight the many contributions America's associations make to the economy and society at large. Learn more at thepowerofa.org. From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the federal government shape the real world. The only thing that's practically guaranteed to get done in every Congress is the massive defense policy bill. This year's edition will authorize $610 billion of spending on weapons systems, the war budget, and personnel. Then there's policy. This bill triggers fiery debates over issues like sexual assault in the military and over whether to keep the Guantanamo Bay detention facility. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by CQ national security reporter Megan Scully. So this is an annual right for defense reporters like you, in part because the lawmakers literally pull an all-nighter. They spend 18 or 20 or 24 hours offering amendments and protecting interests in their districts, and it all begins Wednesday in the House, right?
0: It does. We'll begin bright and early Wednesday morning and continue into the wee hours on Thursday, most likely. This will mark uh, the 54th or 55th straight year that this bill uh, will get done, come hell or high water. And they will fight over everything from, as you said, spending levels um, to Pentagon policy.
1: And this thing, I mean, literally beyond the... uh Omnibus spending bills have been done in recent years. This is the single biggest piece of legislation that Congress takes up, and they've done it consistently.
0: They have, and that is basically what gives the House and Senate Armed Services Committees their prestige within Congress and also within the Pentagon.
1: So the biggest issue this year is a proposal to eliminate $18 billion in war funding, which comes about as a result of budget caps. What would they use the money for instead?
0: Well, what they would do essentially is keep the war, war request the size that the Pentagon asked, but take out $18 billion in legitimate war expenses and fill that back in with fighter jets, with ships, with military personnel that the Pentagon did not request due to caps on the day to day operational budget. What they would do is put that back into the, the war accounts, um, these non war related expenses, and then forcing essentially the next administration to to request supplemental spending for the wars because the amount of money that they will actually authorize will only cover the wars for seven months as opposed to an entire year.
1: This is essentially an elaborate accounting exercise because some of the accounts are capped and some are open-ended.
0: It is, yes. And the $610 billion that they will authorize at the end of this marathon markup won't be the actual total amount of money for defense for fiscal 17 because they will need extra money for the wars.
1: Now, another big issue, you're expecting a fight over troop levels. The Army is supposed to come down to 450,000 active duty troops by the end of 2017, but some in Congress have other ideas.
0: Yes, House Armed Services Chairman Mac Thornberry of Texas wants to add 20,000 active duty troops to the Army and 25,000 guardsmen and reservists to the Army's payroll next year. That money will be paid for out of those war funds um, and is above and beyond what the Pentagon requested. With that comes not just the expense of pay, but it comes benefits, it comes equipment, bases, you name it. Uh, there is a, a long tail to uh, to these additional trips, a long along cost associated with them.
1: So that's creating a certain amount of budgetary stress.
0: Not just in 2017, but moving forward as well.
1: Now, speaking of benefits, uh, military health care is also a sensitive issue. Um, the Pentagon has proposed higher fees for the TRICARE program, which has gotten a lot of attention. Are the House lawmakers going to green light that or are they going to um, going to fight these changes and, and try to keep costs stable?
0: They are not likely to green light it if that if, uh, past is precedent. The Pentagon's healthcare budget is about a 50 billion dollar expense every year and they want to bring down those costs um, they want to what they are calling they want to increase cost sharing among the beneficiaries of the Tricare program. So every year they come to Congress and they want to increase certain copays, uh, pharmaceuticals, and other fees. And typically within the House Armed Services Committee, those uh, proposals are dead on arrival. They are supposed to um, be releasing a, um, a, an effort to modernize TRICARE, which could bring with it some, some costs. Uh, but the, the crux of the Pentagon's proposal will likely be dead on arrival.
1: Now, House lawmakers, as is common practice, are adding items uh, to what the Pentagon requested. Twenty-five more fighter jets, three more Navy ships. And is that extra spending going to be approved? And if so, at whose expense?
0: Sure. It is very likely to be approved. Uh, The House Armed Services Committee is stacked with uh, hawkish lawmakers on both sides of the aisle who have uh, serious defense interests within their districts. But it will come at the expense of war spending, and I expect Democrats on the committee to put up a fight over that. Uh, essentially, they are, are paying long-term bills out of the day-to-day operations of the war. There creates a big question mark in terms of, yes, you'll get these F-35s or these, these Navy ships, but uh, who's going to, to pay for bullets and, 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 and other equipment needed overseas? To fight ISIS um, for for operations in Afghanistan and elsewhere.
1: So we've talked about the House, the Armed Services Committee, and the marathon. The action is going to shift to the Senate next month, which will assemble its own huge bill. Do you expect major differences between the two? And if so, over with what?
0: There are always some significant differences. The last several years, the uh, the biggest difference, uh, at, at kind of at the end of the negotiations, has been uh, the Tricare. Proposals. Uh, The Senate Armed Services Committee is typically more willing to go along with what the Pentagon has requested. I also expect there to be some serious differences over a very wonky topic called acquisition reform. Uh, Both uh, the House Chairman Mac Thornberry and the Senate Chairman John McCain feel very passionately about revising the way the Pentagon buys its weapons but how they go about it uh, tends to be a, a bit different. They've been able to hammer out proposal or compromises in the past, and I expect them to do so again this year, but the the actual language is going to be very different in the Senate from what we see in the House. Then there are always differences over individual weapons systems, and, and we don't know yet um, how the Senate's going to deal with the, the war budget and whether they're going to be stacking that with more day-to-day, more base budget, as we call it, funding items. So that will be something to see. But the Senate marks up its bill uh, behind closed doors. And it is a much more secretive process than the House is. So we'll see what what comes of that uh, sometime in May.
1: Well, one thing is for sure. They'll they'll somehow reconcile their differences because it's been 50 years or more since they, they haven't produced one of these pieces of legislation, the House and Senate.
0: Oh, yeah. They'll get it done for sure.
1: It just might be a little painful, including for the reporters. Yeah, and ugly. <laughs> CQ's national security reporter Megan Scully on the marathon process Congress goes through to assemble its annual defense policy bill. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud.